ready to go here. All right. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to the podcast, uh, Bob Kubota, with my 15 Minutes podcast here in the uh, ComedySchools.com studio here in uh, Greater Scottsdale, Arizona, with uh, my fellow producer Tony Visick here. And this is my 15 Minutes podcast. It's my third try at this. And we try to go down rabbit holes that haven't been gone down before and try to figure out certain things. And, uh, well, you know, um, I was thinking about uh, my interest today is uh, we're talking about sports. And uh, I'm a big sports fan, and I've been a sports fan my whole life. But uh, my my curiosity about sports and being a sports fan in general, uh, not necessarily specifically any certain sport, but uh, I played sports growing up. but I was always um, conditioned to losing, you know. And uh, as a kid, I played uh, little league ball. And if I was on a team that was, was was absolutely horrible, we would get demolished and yeah, and be humiliated. And and uh, and I and I tried to play other sports, uh, little league baseball, and I tried to play uh, youth hockey and stuff like that. And uh, was always on these teams that would just get obliterated, you know. It, it was funny, you know. You just don't have the, the you know some kids, uh, some teams have squads of kids that are much bigger, much more talented, and uh, maybe have a future in this kind of thing, and we're just out there getting exercise. Either way, uh, you know, it's the fun of being a kid. You play games, you win, you lose. At sports, you move on, right? Correct. Well, <laughs> correct. However, uh, I grew up in an area where I was uh, all the sports I was playing, I was losing. And be also being a sports fan, all the teams I rooted for always lost. So my question is, is how does that affect the mindset of somebody over the course of time? And I, I really think it does because my mind nowadays, not in a some sort of psychodepressive way, but I'm more conditioned to losing than winning. I'm, mm. I'm more ready to take a loss than a victory because I'm more prepared for it. It's all I really know. The actual victory part, like I grew up in Detroit or Royal Oak, outside of Detroit and I've been a, uh-huh. a fan of Detroit sports my whole life and the Tigers and, and and the Lions and the Red Wings and the Pistons and um, some of those teams we put out some of the worst teams ever in the history of sports you know and and uh, our city has gotten a low self-esteem and our city has uh, all kinds of uh, uh, kind of uh, what do you call uh, uh, issues psychological problems psychological issues it's like growing up in cleveland i mean like watching cleveland this year finally win a championship after you know 50 years it's been since that series won anything and also also you're belittled by the rest of the country i mean talk these cities i think have self-esteem problems and well, Cleveland lost an entire team. Well, the Browns left. Well, I guess that's an, uh, a further kick in the teeth, right? Yeah. So I, 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 uh, I, I, I like Tony, my friend Tony here. He, uh, he, you grew up in uh, St. Louis, St. right? St. Louis, Missouri, a quality baseball city. Indeed, with with with, with bagfuls of championships and and, and 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 just something they take pride in every year because they're relatively good every year and there's not a, a lot else to do in the city of st louis this is true but they just lost their football team this is true which was never really their football team which was never really their tr- football team but they when they lost two football however teams. that football team brought them a championship one championship so yeah. that's still more than was brought to you know the city of detroit or the city of cleveland or whatever but the point being is that st louis people 
Uh, yes. Being mid, I mean, if you compare just Midwestern stock people, you know, who, yes. who also have the same feeling. Else, all we have is sports, right? Same thing. Pretty you know. much. In Detroit, that's all they have is sports. Yeah, they have nothing. They're no industry. Can't, you can't get drunk and hit your wife I mean, anymore. Talk about low self. I mean, uh, they've been emasculated in every possible way. And uh, well, we were talking about the, the Rust Belt earlier in the earlier podcast. So you're right, but in in sports, it's an issue as well. And we, and we also have with us the uh, intern Rob from uh, This American Podcast Comedy Edition. Rob, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Vermont. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it doesn't even count. It's no. not even America. No, it counts. I lived in New Hampshire right okay. next door. So, uh, Well, who did you guys root for? Uh, I was actually born here, and I moved to Vermont when I was seven. Oh, my so goodness. So all my allegiances are still here. Wow. To Arizona. Yes. How did that happen? Well, I mean, I don't want to waste too much time on yeah. this, but how did that happen? How do you move from Arizona to Vermont? That's uh, extremely all of my rare. My mom's family lives in Vermont. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, Vermont's a beautiful state. Uh, I almost went to the University of Vermont, and. Uh, and a great state, and Bernie Sanders is from Vermont. He I don't is. know. I don't know what that means, but uh, he's kind of like the Chicago Cubs of uh, politics. <laughs> of politics, right, right? Well, not this year, though. Not this year. So the Cubs could do it all the way. Are you? That's saying, a, another great example, though. The Cubs this year, last year looked like they might do it in the uh, Back to the Future year, but yeah. now here, the next year, they are the dominant team in baseball, which has never ever happened before. So, not another lowest self-esteem city, with yeah. a chance to uh, change their ways and. Uh, I just remember back in the in the uh, Steve Bartman playoffs. You remember that one? Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and you talk about sadness. Uh, they just they would just focus the cameras in on these ninety year old ladies with their little cub beanies on, and they've been waiting. Every, I mean, for their whole lives, they've been waiting for this literally since the inception of the franchise. These ninety year old little ladies with their little hats on, and then the Bartman thing happens, and you and there's just just bawling, just bawling tears in the uh, in the stands. And uh, it, was, it struck me more than anything else I've ever seen, probably. I don't think These a lot of little ladies that have been waiting their whole life. We all, we all uh, have an emotional attachment to a sports team, and, but what we don't really think about is that that's somebody's business. And sure. It's how they run the business. It's the way Bill Bidwill ran the St. Louis Cardinals. Right. Uh, the, uh, uh, now, later, the Arizona Cardinals ran it like a the way someone runs a mom and pop business. He didn't run it like a, a large corporate entity. Sure. And he wanted to make sure that his family made a profit every year sure. and that was not predicated on the team right. spending a huge amount of money for superstars which is the similar mentality for the uh, Detroit Lions owner William Clay Ford who was very much like Bidwell yeah uh, didn't uh, he knew the fans were going to be there he knew he was going to make money so he did uh, the business as it were and and and, and was very loyal he was a businessman and but he was loyal to the people who had so he would hang on people way too long um, which is a, a a different conversation in terms of that's how you run a business, and I understand that. But do you think there's validity to the idea that people can be conditioned into winning and losing by their experiences with sports? Well, yeah, you brought you brought up two things, and 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 there's possible credence above. One is you as a child playing sports, and then realizing you're not good at sports, mm-hmm. and then one is living in a uh, a city or a state or a region where the franchise is a franchise that consistently loses. I don't think living in a city or state uh, where a franchise consistently loses has as big a psychological effect on people as the psychological effect, positive or negative, mm-hmm. of being a child and discovering that you're not good at sports. Right. A lot of comics that I know, a lot of funny comics I know, love sports, but were not great at sports when they were young, or they would have continued to play sports. 
But what happens is, I think, I could be wrong, uh, I loved baseball. It was a very painful thing for me. I loved baseball. Grew up in St. Louis in the 60s when the Cardinals were a good team. Uh, you got to keep in mind, too, that they went 17 years between uh, World Series at one point, from the 80s up until 2004 or so. So, um, uh, but discovered I was terrible at bit, ba- not bad, terrible, <laughs> not terrible, horrendous, not horrendous parents suggesting you do something else. Um, but then I had to develop other interests. So I developed other interests. I read more. I, I found other sports. I could be, I, I, I was, there's a, a young comic in town named Abhinav Goyle is developing a bit right now about how he discovered he wasn't good at team sports. He was good at singular sports. He was good at karate. Mm-hmm. He was good at weightlifting. And oddly enough, those were sports that I gravitated to later on that I was pretty good at, that I could do negative resistance, I could jog, I could do karate. That These were sports where I was really competing with my own demons as opposed to your demons. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you think it ruined your life that you couldn't? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think of it in terms of a conscious thing. It's a subconscious thing. It's one of those things that just sort of... Uh, you know how your experience is just buried in the back of your head and you tend to... Yeah, yeah. I, You know, I kind of... Uh, my daughter was playing... Uh, she played uh, Little League. She's 26 now. She played Little League one year, and I, I, I never will forget watching this pop-up. She was playing second base. I don't think she was aware she was playing second base. She was at that age where you just kind of put them out there. And this pop-up and seeing her kind of crouch and get in her, look at the ball, and I remember that my heart was in my chest going, please let her catch this ball. And she caught the ball, and it was like that in the movie. It's a movie with Steve Martin, where his kid, who's not good at sports, and catches a ball or something. Where I was jumping around, and all she did was walk off with the ball in her glove, going, "I caught the ball." But in my mind's eye, that was going to be a defining moment in her life. Now, whether it would be or not in a little girl's life when she's six, I have no idea. But for me, I know definitely from that movement forward, she wasn't going to have the memory of dropping the ball. She would have the memory if at all catching the ball. Mm-hmm. So, and you know. Then you know. Then I went on the road for forty weeks. (laughs) Well, I think that affected her more. But you can still remember individual plays and stuff, things that happened when you were a kid playing. Like if you did something good, I'm sure you still remember it today. I remember if you made a terrific catch, or you you know if you you know hit a home, or you hit a triple that won a game, or whatever. I remember some of the base hits I got in Little League. You know what I mean? The actual, I still remember it. Did you have a because it was so rare? Did you have a full uniform? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was full uniform, Little League, that type of stuff. But as I got into Babe Ruth and the kids got better, and I didn't, I was on the team, but I was sitting on the bench. So even if you're winning, you don't feel like you're winning because you're not playing. Almost all of us at some level then discover that we're not going to move forward in our sports careers. Right, and that's understandable, and I, I realize that too. But I, I realize that it just yeah, I, well, I'm looking at it going, well, sports, you play sports, you watch sports, lose, 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 lose. But, oh, my God, uh, you know, you, you had that one and you lost. Well, you, you can almost, you know, you have a team so bad, you can almost predict what they're going to do before they do it, and then they do it. Yeah. Those are my teams. Yeah. yeah I can predict what they're going to do before they do it. And it happens like 90% of the time. I'm right. You know, it's just because you're so conditioned. But uh, I want to know if there's a... Um, uh, if it would have been better not to even like, I, I know lots of people go. I hate sports. I don't do sports. What's do? What was sports for? I'm almost almost like that. Probably be better for you. Then it drops this whole paradigm out of your head of winning and losing. People who hate sports, they don't have that. They don't yeah. assess life like that in terms of wins and losses. Well, I, I moved into a hating sports period in my my uh, adolescence, teen years. You mm-hmm. know, I was in the seventies and 
we discovered other things and sure and, and, and different cultures sure you know and so I was more of a I was right. more of a counterculture guy and right. so there was the counterculture at the time was opposed to the whole sort of sports John right. Wayne right. football culture which I I actually love now but at the time so it it didn't bother me as much yeah. here's your other problem okay you're from Detroit yeah right and none of those teams have ever left right. So you're still stuck with those teams. <laughs> well, I could change my teams anytime my brain says it does, yeah. but it doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't. Work I grew way. up in St. Louis, and the football Cardinals were terrible. Mm -hmm. And then for a while, they were great in the '70s. Mm -hmm. But then I moved to Los Angeles in the '70s, mm -hmm. and in the '80s, the St. Louis Cardinals moved here to Arizona. Mm -hmm. So where is my allegiance supposed to be? So I started following the Raiders, sometimes the Rams. Then the Rams moved to St. Louis. So after a while, I now I just you know we did not have a basketball team. We had we had the ABA, we had the Hawks. Sure, but that folded, so it wasn't a big basketball team. Right. So I came to my love of basketball right. later in life. But what you had represented you well in your city. It's like uh, the look at Boston fans today. Yeah. All of their teams have multiple championships now. Yeah, I mean they're across the board, they are the cockiest, most self assured sports fans or people even. It, get, it, it puts an extra swagger in their step, so to speak. They really think they're better than you. Yeah, you know what I mean? I know. Yeah, they do. They and do. and that, that's that's the other side of it. Yeah. Is that, that terrible arrogance over something sure. you haven't actually done. You didn't play. Right. But it, but it, become, it comes from vicariously through their sports. Sure, you feel good about it. Yeah. But look, I, I became a Clippers fan while they were terrible. And it was it was a matter of economics. Well, that's hip. Yeah, yeah. You're a like, hipster for doing that. No it, was, no, it was a matter of economics and interest. Yeah. All you need is a beanie cap. and. Uh, uh, I couldn't afford uh, Lakers tickets, and I had a 10-year-old that I wanted to take to an NBA game. and mm -hmm. I could go see the Clippers for 15 bucks, and I wasn't in the crow's nest. And she really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed it. My emotional attachment to something, like my brother and I, I have not watched a single St. Louis baseball Cardinal game this year. I've been too busy. Okay? I mean, they only played here one time this year, and I, didn't, I wasn't able to go, so I probably won't go to a baseball game this year. So my attachment to baseball is nowhere what it was 10 years ago, certainly not 30 years ago. Now, my younger brother is still died in the St. Louis. He has the Major League channel. He pays extra for it. He watches every game, TiVos them. Uh, but that's still a, an attachment he and I have. We could still right. – I can read up on it real quick. Sure. Because he lives in L.A. I sure. live here. He's an sure. art professor. I do this. So your your day-to-day your, your -day life becomes divergent. So my daughter and I can still have the Clippers. My brother and I still have the Cardinals, whether they win or lose. But you know Detroit's just full of losing teams. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but it goes also with a with a dying community. It also goes along with these other things. You know, on top of it, you know what I mean. Yeah. And, uh, it's just it's just it's what goes through your mind every day. It's just what's being fed through your mind every day. And what does that do to the mind? Is, is I'm, I'm curious. I'm, the people in Detroit have got to be distinctly different from the people in Seattle. I mean, just I mean, there, there's got to be no comparison. Well, they're different no matter what. Be people, no matter what. But in terms of psychological makeup. In yeah. terms of, say, um, uh, a, a sense of optimism or, a, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, some people look down through the dark holes and some people are always looking up here, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And I, I, I don't, I, is there I don't a, see that. Is there a dying city with a good sports franchise? Possibly, I mean, a rust belt city. St. Louis yeah. has the, uh, the baseball Cardinals and uh, uh, it's, it's part of the rust belt. It, mm -hmm. It's kind of a unique place, yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. the separation between St. Louis City and St. Louis County. But th is there another city 
Pittsburgh, they have a good football team. They're a, sure. They're a dying Rust Belt city. Sure. Um, who the, else? Pi- the Pirates are also doing But it. Pittsburgh's yeah. always been uh, psychologically healthy in that way because they've always had the Steelers, who have always done well. Yeah. And the Penguins have won. They won the Stanley Cup. This past, but that was our third and like, eight, whatever. How many well, what do you think would be better for Detroit if, if Henry Ford decided to open, back open up the Ford plants at the level they were, right. or for the Detroit Tigers to win three World Series, what would be a better psychological thing? Uh, you need uh, some like uh, Pittsburgh. Even though it's a dying city, they have all that civic pride. Yeah, Detroit, dying city, no civic pride, and so it snowballs the other way. I'm just, I, I'm just worried because I, I know a lot of people there. My brother lives there, and I know th- the depressed nature of the city, and uh, and I know how I grew up. And so I just wondered if what I feel must be what they feel, and that's also how they live their Could lives, be, yeah. which also does not help them come out of their, you know, darkness or whatever, their economic woes and stuff like that. But a lot of it starts with the spirit of the city, and the spirit of the city is what makes it. Look, I mean, look, Cleveland has been down for, I mean, how long? I mean, in terms of being a since the fifties. <laughs> I mean, a, a city that you kick around and make fun. It's a punchline city. Sure, it it, it became one of the first of the of. What's now called the Rust Belt cities mm-hmm. to begin to go. Wow, something weird's going on here mm-hmm. as industry uh, left and the economy began mm-hmm. to stall. So it was one of the first. St. Louis, Detroit, you know, uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, all those cities that uh, became the white flight cities and uh, uh, saw industry leave. There were industry. Ba- Pittsburgh lost the steel industry to Japan mm-hmm. in the seventies. Seems like they should change the name of the team <laughs> to the, uh, I don't know what it would be. So are you telling me, here's what I'm asking you, okay? Uh, and I understand what you're I'm saying. I'm conditioned to losing is what I'm saying. You are conditioned to losing, and you are putting that on the fact that you did not have great hand-eye coordination, and you live in a city with really crappy sports teams. I'm putting it on that? No, I'm just saying that's what I how it worked if out. If you grew up in New York... Right. And could actually throw, say, an 80-mile-an-hour fastball good enough to, you know, play all the way through high school and maybe, you know, win a, a you know, win a high school championship, that you would be a different human being today. Well, I'm not saying I need to personally be out there playing myself as a great player, that kind of thing. That's, I mean, because obviously, you know, that's, you know, those are the luck. I understand that the realities of life, but the idea of always being associated with that result, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. No matter whether you're playing, watching. Something that absorbs you, you participate in regularly, you're a fan, you're, you know, whatever, and but you're continually conditioned to that kind of thing. It's like when they took uh, the the uh, Browns out of Cleveland, you saw those sure. truck drivers. Remember the truck yeah. drivers? They're, they're crying, yeah. they're wailing, bawling, banging on their steering wheels. It's all they got, you know? And, is, that, uh, is that healthy, though? I mean, is that healthy? No, I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, I guess my question is, is this whole idea of, healthy competition which supposedly is supposed to be healthy is it healthy for everybody well i tell you one thing i don't think that a professional sports as they're played today and how athletes are developed today is uh, uh good for those individuals you know what i said they used to say sports builds character mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing about being right singled out as someone who is good at catching a ball or running with a ball early on mm-hmm. and being treated special and differently your entire life right that develops character which is why people are often shocked when they see the behavior of professional athletes right but there's been nothing besides you know i was friends we talked about this uh a couple weeks ago on the on the show i was friends with a guy who played for ucla when he played a robo rose bowl an offensive tackle 
who uh, told me, he goes, Tony, I never had to do anything my whole life except play football on Saturday or Sunday. He goes, I could get away with anything. And he told me about the recruitment process, and it was a orgy and bacchanal of epic proportions, the way they got into the various teams, you know? And he goes, so, he goes, now, and now he was, he got drafted by the CFL, and he goes, it's not enough money for the, for the pain in my body. He goes, now I have to learn how to do something else. It's like someone who was a movie star for three years, you know, they had studied acting. That's all they under, uh, all they ever read were scripts. And movie start for three years, and something happens, and they can't work anymore, and they have to go sell real estate. Mm-hmm. He had to learn life. Sure. Sports does not teach life right. anymore. Right, 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 right. And that's uh, that's sort of right, exactly the point. You know, it, uh, the idea is that it's supposed to. Yeah. But it can backfire on some. Sure. You know, I I, I think some people come out of it probably oh with a way exaggerated sense of who they are yeah and there are people come out of it with a way under under where they you know what they yeah. really are and that's not really accurate in either case it's not you know and sometimes i feel bad for the kid who was like uh the good high school pitcher mm-hmm. but then you know he doesn't get a college scholarship right. and i've seen these guys the guys who went they, they they're insurance salesmen they're successful insurance salesmen are real estate people and they still got that wistful thing or i see it in stand-up I tell you a very interesting thing. I saw a guy one time who uh, had been a really good um, football player in high school, and he was the guy was not because he was a high school football player, but because of him, he was a dweeb. He was kind of a jerk, and he saw this kid bounding up one day who was a very very funny guy, and he goes, "That guy is doing stand up." He goes, "That guy was an idiot." He goes, "We used to spit on him in high school. He was a mascot." <laughs> And I looked at him and I go, he's 10 times funnier than you'll ever be. And I never say anything like that to young amateur comics. Uh-huh. But when I realized who this guy was in relation with this guy, you know, uh-huh. that's why I look at him and I go, that guy's 10 times funnier than you'll ever be. Uh-huh. I just took his legs out right from when he goes, we used to spit on that guy. Very nice. Because this guy who was funny had been a mascot. Uh-huh. And he was, the guy, he was the guy that the jocks had walked through and go, hey, let's punch him. Let's stick his head in the toilet. <laughs> And here uh, this guy was actually uh, telling. But this guy goes, I'm just trying to get back what I had in high school, man, when people used to cheer. You're not getting that back, most n- of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's true uh, when you bring it to comedy. And, I, and now now we can draw that uh, connection to comics and comedians sure. as we have spent a life in comedy, you and I. Um, Absolutely. Don't, do you think that the um, that other men, that the, the thing I'm talking about, that, that I think a lot of comics come from um, – that sort of mentality of uh, well i'm really used to losing this can't be any worse you know might as well try this uh or they really understand that side of the psychology uh as much as the the always winning always succeeding always i don't know i i think uh uh you know there's two kinds of minds i think they go into stand-up company they go into it and one is uh, i've i've screwed everything up else right. i'll try this are the ones that go it looks like fun hmm. You know, so it, it, there, there's a couple of different ways people come at it. And I think what happens for most of us, after you're in it for a while, uh, you come to a realization of how it works. Uh-huh. And then you come to a realization that, that, it, that the way it works may not work for you. Right. You know, that you're not going to get the sitcom. You're not going to get the movie. You know, that might be. And then you have to, and you have to make your peace with it. Fortunately, with entertainment, I think, uh, as opposed to sports, mm-hmm. and there, there's a good and bad to this, with entertainment... If I don't get the sitcom, there's still other venues for me. Whereas if I can't cut it in the NFL, there's not a lot of other venues for right. me. On the other hand, sometimes I think we need that in comedy. We, we, need, we need the coach's <laughs> office where you go, uh, come on in here, kid. <laughs> and walk in and go, hey, I did pretty good with the dick jokes and the airline things. 
kid, uh, we're letting you go. <laughs> <laughs> but wait a minute, I, you know, I think I was going to have a good season. Uh, you know what? We I was ready, man. Yeah, you he, just got married, and we heard your new marriage jokes, and um, <laughs> you know, we're going with the younger guys still doing the single stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, leave your... By the way, leave your props in your locker. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and you're just cut comics. Uh-huh. But agencies do that. Yeah, yeah. Management companies do that. Agencies sure, sure. will call up a client and go, you know, the sitcom didn't go and we're moving on. We're releasing you. Best of luck. And then you have to find your You write a book then. You, you do a podcast. You create your own agency. We're able to sure. do that. Athletes often aren't. No, no. But again, bending back to the comedy thing, take a guy, take some of the greatest acts in comedy, and you look at their persona, their persona, yeah, as it were. Take Rodney. Was that yeah. a, was that one about winning or losing? That persona. That persona is all about losing. I mean, as the persona for comedy. So he was a hustler from the word go. He was a tin man. But that's where his mind. But that's but that's how he processed it all. Yeah. Even to the day he died, he processed it that way. You know. In terms of, oh, you know, that's why he'd be in his bathrobe and so he, he, No self-respect, essentially. Well, he liked marijuana. Well, he liked a lot of things. <laughs> he liked a lot of things. But, again, but that's also a, uh, an attack, you know, uh, comes from that. All of these things, drug behavior, all that comes from that. Uh, so many different I mean? ways. I was watching some old movie last night with the, and the trumpeter Harry James, who was as big as any rock star you can think of right now in his day in the 40s. And that the guy was, he married Betty Grable, uh-huh. you know, and the, the guy was, uh, uh, he was a, he, he bet horses, mm-hmm. he drank, he womanized, he lost millions of dollars, he toured till the day he died because he was always broke because he was a, uh, he was a de- degenerate gambler. But he was one of the greatest horn players of this or any other time. So, and right before that, there was a documentary about John Belushi. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if sure. there's an answer. Yeah, but the question is never about the talent they have. We all know they all have talent. It's how they process their perception of their talent. Yeah. And where it's going to get them. And some people go, ah, this isn't going to get me anywhere. I'm like that all the time. This ain't going to get me anywhere. I've been doing this too long. This is not going to get me anywhere. You know, I'm probably going to lose. You know what I mean? So I'm saying it's a it's a conditioning. And you got to be. You know what? It's so it's, it's you got to be okay wherever you are. You know, in right. order to move That's forward. That's the other lesson. So I, you know, <laughs> you can look at it from in, in the harsh light of mm-hmm. uh, of uh, uh, of uh, the glare mm-hmm. of, of almost nasty mm-hmm. pop culture. Mm-hmm. If you're not on top, you're a loser. Mm-hmm. Or you can go. I've spent most of my life telling jokes and getting money. And when you look at the great, I, we have a mutual friend. I won't mention his name because of this particular story. Who was always miserable? I go. You're comparing yourself with the ten percent ahead of you. Said the ninety percent sure. behind you, right? A guy who was that, yeah, who got parts in movies, got parts in shows, wasn't going to get the sitcom, wasn't going to make more money than the gross national product in most countries in Africa, which is what you can make if you could make in a sitcom. That's changing too, and or so, a good funny bone run back in the eighties. Yeah, good funny. So that was always going to happen for him, but uh, he finally made peace with it. He's doing fine. So. Well, that's it. That's it. Eventually, you have to make peace with it. But yeah. most, but again, it's subconscious. It's not something. Oh, I mean, you know, you can go out with, you know, oh, all my attitude is positive, and I'm going to win, and blah, blah. And then when things start happening, and that little thing in your head goes, oh, I feel this feeling again. Oh, I know this feeling. Oh, okay. Blah. We should talk about this more in your next show because I think it's about how you re- how you approach things. I was talking to somebody the other day about something. I go, I'm, I go, in, I realized in all things in life, I handle it the way I used to handle going to the track. So I go, I'm a show better. Mm. I said, I never bet to win. 
I never bet plays. I always bet show. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. always splitting the difference. So I'm like you. I'm yeah. very much so like you. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna make a lot, right. but I wasn't gonna lose a lot. As, as the golfers say, I just want to be in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, if you feel like that had, uh, if there, you feel like anybody has any uh, any relevance, or if that has any validity, any of this this kind of topic, you know. Um, you know, think we'll about it. We'll talk about it more next Friday. We'll you, you in town next Friday? I will be back should, next Friday. And then we'll uh, talk that. about this and whatever you want to talk about, Bob. All right. Thank you very that's, much. That's the way it works. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming down and let me come down. And thanks for listening if you did listen. That'd be great. <laughs> Bob Kubota. Signing off. Bye-bye.